1: Straight ahead on the insiders, when it comes to local politics, there's been a lot of focus on whether Des Moines' longest serving mayor can hold on to his seat by defeating former state senator Jack Hatch in that runoff in two weeks. But this week, we're going to discuss an effort that has impacted far more than mayors, city councils, and school boards. Plus, JD Scholten is not back out there on the road and seeing if his pitching arm can win him another giant stuffed animal at the fair, but he is back out on the road. This time, he has 2020 on his mind. He'll join us to share what he is doing, but also address one of the big debates going on in his party these days. And in the Insiders Quick 6, counting your seats. Welcome to the Insiders. When you vote for a mayor, a city council member, or for a position on the school board, does a candidate's political party affiliation matter? These positions are traditionally nonpartisan. But Polk County Democratic Chair Sean Bagneski sent out this congratulatory tweet after this month's local elections. He wrote, before that election, 37% of city council seats in Polk County were held by Democrats. Now it is 60%. And he goes on to give full credit if you recognize that Twitter hashtag. Is Judy Downs. She's the executive director of the Polk County Democrats. Now, she has not only served in that position, but also served on the Urbindale School Board. This is the first time you've been here, right?
0: Yeah, it's the first time.
1: Thanks for being here on The Insiders.
0: Thanks for having
1: me. Uh, we went back to the Wayback Machine because Craig Robinson <laughs> hasn't actually been here for a little while. He founded the conservative website, theiowarepublican.com. But Craig, in another previous life, was also the political director of the Republican Party of Iowa. So thanks for coming back. Glad to be back. All right, since you get the Twitter shout-out here, <laughs> um, well, talk about what was done here. So you all did make an effort to recruit some candidates and really get in at the most local level. Why?
0: we did because we need to work on our base and it's something to credit to give full credit to the republican party they have invested in supporting candidates down ballot for decades and it's something democrats traditionally haven't done a very good job at and when we started to see changes at the state house and we needed to double down in recruitment for state house and state senate positions. We looked at our bench in Polk County, and frankly, it was pretty weak. When we're looking at places like Urbandale, where I live, we didn't have a Democrat on the Urbandale City Council. And when our goal is to defeat Brad Zahn in 2020, that hurts our recruitment efforts. Now, luckily, we've got some strong candidates, but looking down the line over the next few decades, we really needed to support individuals who were interested in running for City Council and School Board in order to just strengthen the party.
1: So you're thinking then you get them in there and as they move up over the years, that could be your next legislator, essentially?
0: That's definitely part of it. The other aspect is there are some issues facing school boards and city councils right now that are impacted by partisan politics. So our philosophy and our mission at Polk County Democratic Party is to support Democrats who want to run for office from local to federal elections. And so we feel like this just aligns with that mission.
1: Craig, with all your other stuff, you don't really have much time to do columns on the Iowa (laughs) Republican anymore. If you were writing a column on this, what would it be?
2: I think the column would be, look, um, I think we're at a point where maybe the legislature needs to look at this issue. Um, I know when I step into a voting booth, I have a partisan lens, right? And even though I know my school or my uh, city council members, this is not, you know, partisan. I know that, I mean, and I have discussions within my home, but I'm I'm a political guy and we do this. And I think that we're almost to a point where I think the public would rather know. Are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? It tells me a little something about what you believe in, where you stand on issues, and so I don't think, especially for city council, um, I don't. And maybe the legislature should make a change where they become, you know, a partisan race. Uh, so it's here. listed on the ballot, then? Absolutely. Because I think it; otherwise, you know, I, I had the issue in Ankeny when I went to vote, there was nine people running for school board. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't memorize all these names. And even though I got a flyer from the local party telling me who are the Republicans running, you know, again, I thought this election was more politicized than ever by a partisan ways. And, but I couldn't remember them all. I got a lot going on. And I, I sat down and I froze and i looked and all i see is nine strange names and i'm like i think maybe and maybe here and then you know the results were everyone you know the most of those candidates got between 13 and 10% of the vote and you know four of them won and i don't know i think it would help voters and i don't know if i want to politicize school board elections uh, there's part of me that that seems wrong a little bit that our schools can't be the one place where we just talk about policy and we don't it doesn't have to become partisan in any way. But I think we're to a point now, you look at how supercharged our world is in terms of everything in this country is so partisan. I think people would be better off knowing the political affiliations of their candidates.
1: So when you're on the Urbandale ballot there, do you want a D next to your name for school board?
0: You know, I'd be open to it. That said, I serve with some amazing Republicans on the Urbandale school board and I talk to my colleagues about this a lot and it's a fine line. From my perspective, I think the word partisanship isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's a lens through which people can view candidates and judge and assess whether their values align, mm-hmm. just like you said, Craig. And. I'll tell you, election week this week, one of our big goals was to just increase turnout in municipal elections. Iowa has historically low turnout in our school board and city council elections. And we saw this year, it was the first time that city council elections and school elections were on the same day. We could use it as an opportunity. Which they should
1: have been all along, would you not agree?
0: I completely agree. I think it was a little bit of a headache for the county auditor in places like Urbandale, where you've got the city limits and school boundary limits don't Uh. match. So they had a lot more work over there. That said, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's easier for voters to have one election day. And we saw a lot of new voters participate in this. And my phone would not stop ringing the week of the election. And their question was, I'm looking at this ballot that I got in the mail, who's a Democrat? Mm -hmm. And people just want to have a quick way to assess if the candidate's values align with their own.
1: Craig, we only have about a half minute left here. Um, did, 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 I'm assuming you like the fact that we did this all at once instead of two separate elections? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, logistically, the first year was a Yeah, I
2: mean, I way. think it, make, it makes a ton of sense. And, you know, to think we would have went through this and had a school board election in September then and then turned around it. and mm-hmm. paid for that and then turned around, I think it makes sense to have it all. In
1: one okay, day. if you can hold on for a sec here. When we come back, uh, one of the four people of color running for president, and I'm not counting Wayne Messon not. So we'll still account for it. But anyway, he doesn't think Iowa should remain first in the nation because, frankly, the state doesn't have enough people of color. When we come back, what are insiders think about his argument? Let's talk about the demographics of Iowa, and it's because of, frankly, what Julian Castro has been talking about. He's the presidential candidate from Texas. Doesn't think Iowa should be first anymore because we're not diverse enough. So let's bring back in the panel. Uh, I look through the Census Bureau numbers here. So we have the state of Iowa versus the U.S. So you can read through the numbers, the four largest groups here, white, black, Hispanic, Latino, or Asian, right? In every case, so you can see, we're whiter than the country, rest of the country, and then you, you know, we're less diverse when you go through those other ones here, Craig. All right, let's start from your side of things. Sure. As you listen to what Castro's argument is,
2: what does it sound like? Well, I think it sounds like someone who, whose campaign is struggling. And he's trying to find a way to, um, you know, lash out a little bit of, of, of the process and get some attention. Um, but we see this happen. We've seen it on my side of the race. Even with, you know, so, oh, well, Iowa isn't representative of it. And then they go to New Hampshire and they campaign. Well, New, And then if they struggle there, well, New Hampshire isn't representative of the country either. Look, it it, it starts in Iowa and New Hampshire. It, it's just the process. And I, I think we could pick and pick it apart left and right if we wanted to. But the thing you get in these two states is you get a group of people who take it seriously and give these candidates a good listen to and a good vetting. And to start it anywhere else, I think, is actually scarier, Um, especially if you want to try to find the perfect state with the perfect matchup um, that Castro can go out there and find a, to run it.
1: All right, Judy, if you can hold your thought for just one sec, or about 23 seconds, I think is the length of this next clip. Uh, we're going to listen to Julian Castro now and Barack Obama then, back to back. Here's how they laid something out here.
3: We've changed a lot as a country in 50 years. We've changed a lot as a Democratic Party in 50 years. Uh, and Iowa and New Hampshire simply do not reflect the, Democrat, the diversity of the Democratic Party or of our country.
2: At this defining moment in history, you have done what the cynics said we couldn't do.
1: All right, Judy. So clearly when you look at the numbers, Iowa really isn't representative if we're doing averages here. But a black guy won Iowa twice.
0: Absolutely. I think that a candidate of color can win in Iowa. We've proven that. I think that I'd be interested in hearing Secretary Castro's alternative solution. And I think it just boils down to we've got a great elector in Iowa, which, frankly, I would argue that the Democratic caucus goers are much more diverse than the average um, than the average Iowa than the average Iowan. we were better represented, I think, in the party and in those who choose to caucus. All
1: right, Craig. So to step back, do you think people at this table are just biased? No, and they I like the First in the Nation.
2: Well, look, I, well, of course we do. But I also think that Barack Obama's win, that it came in Iowa, meant even more when he 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 got over that hurdle. And I think that's what you're looking for if you're a party and you have a candidate of, of color and they can come to Iowa and 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 attract support and be a dynamic candidate here, that tells me they're going to be a dynamic candidate anywhere. And so I think they should embrace it and not run from it.
1: I was seeing a person of color win
2: and a woman win the caucuses last cycle, too. So yeah,
1: all those historical barriers have been broken here. Thank you both. Appreciate it. When we come back, J.D. Schulton's trying a second time to get to Congress. He's next to talk about his road trip and where his party should be headed next. On the road again, back in 2018, J.D. Scholten used his trusted companion, his RV that he named Sioux City Sue. They traveled the 4th Congressional District. He ended up losing narrowly to Republican Congressman Steve King in that race for Congress. Ended up much closer than you might assume if you're just looking at the party registration numbers. Well, he's out there back on the road and he's also back here with us on The Insiders. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. All right, road trip number two. So what's different this time? Uh, a lot of it is is uh,
3: the same old, same old. We felt we just ran out of time last time. When you move the needle 24 points, which is third most of the nation, in the nation amongst all challengers, uh, we, we did a lot of things right, but we just were limited on time. And so we picked up right where we left off. Uh, we're currently on our first 39-county tour going to towns of under 1,000 people. Uh, call it the Don't Forget About Us Tour, and it's been amazing. And uh, the RV's uh, up and running, but uh, a little bit of an exhaust issue. But for the most part, it's running pretty smoothly.
1: Uh, not your exhaust, but the RV's exhaust. Exactly, on, that exactly. Get tinkered with here. <laughs> hey, when you're uh, traveling around here, you know we're right in the middle of these impeachment hearings. How yeah. are people back home talking about this, and what do they want to see?
3: Yeah, so we've had about 20 of these town halls, uh, and I've only been asked about it one time. And so, uh, whereas like the RFS and and what's happening with ethanol, I get asked that almost uh, the majority of the the time, Uh, healthcare, uh, almost every stop we talk about grocery stores. Most of these rural communities are struggling to keep their one grocery store and I think uh, what people are seeing uh, as far as what's happening out in D.C. is they're just kind of waiting and. Letting the facts kind of play its course.
1: How are you handling this conversation specifically about health care? If we look at the presidential race, yeah. which kind of dominates a lot of the coverage in our state, We have the Medicare for all folks, and then we have the other ones who may do it differently, but it's either public option or some kind of buy-in, whatever it is. How are you going to handle
3: it? Uh, What I tell folks all the time is we have 20 people running for president. They have 20 different uh, solutions. I'm for all of them. (laughs) All of them are better than what we have today. I think our goal is universal health care, something that looks like Medicare for all, but I think it's going to take steps to get there, and uh, whether it's putting a public option or, or... uh, whatever it is, a Medicare buy-in, uh, those are the steps needed right now.
1: Uh, Medicare for all will cost a ton of money. Yeah. Tens of trillions of dollars. Can we do that?
3: Uh, absolutely. It, it would be actually a tax break, I think, on a lot of um, uh, the middle class folks. We're already paying the most per uh, country or per person per uh, Western developed country. And so uh, th- it would be more efficient.
1: Um, When you talk about the future of education with the people in the 39 County District there, that's another one where the candidates have a divide here, right? Whether we do full-on free tuition for everybody to go, both community college and four-year, or whether we just expand help maybe with Pell Grants or refinancing, that kind of thing. How are you going to handle that?
3: Uh, I'm more for the expand the Pell Grants. Uh, I think we should have free uh, community colleges. Our needs in the fourth district are we need... uh, uh, People who go into technical fields—that's uh, that's the biggest demand that we have right now. And so I see so many kids going off to college, uh, getting a four-year degree, and then going back to Sioux City to work twelve dollars an hour with no benefits. Whereas kids who go straight into the workforce, working for a union, they're making sixty, seventy thousand uh, dollars in the first couple of years. And so. Uh, it, it makes sense that we promote what our needs are right now and then we need to have in Iowa or in the fourth district we need to have an economy that can absorb our college students. Right now we don't and so that needs to
1: change. Uh, with this talk about this tuition-free college it really comes down to the debt right? Right. So is there something we should be doing? You know you have People like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, saying essentially wipe away the government will just wipe right. away most of your college debt. Uh, they may have income. I think Warren's is a hundred thousand is the way she caps it. You have to make less than a hundred thousand. Is that something we should do, or should we help you more on the front end?
3: Well, I think there's a lot of uh, things that are going around right now, and you see what what student debt is happening. It, it's crippling a generation, and it's the number one debt we have right now. And and you combine that, we have in the fourth district, we have. Uh, farm debts at an all-time high as well. And and so I think uh, we're just getting ourselves as a society more and more into debt and we we need to find solutions because right now, uh, a lot of whatever sector you are at, uh, we're we're struggling in a lot of different ways.
1: When you go back into the smaller communities, those that even today are still dominated in the agriculture sector, Mm -hmm. what is the, can you evaluate their health right now? What's their financial health?
3: Uh, I mean, we're seeing folks who uh, I know a family friend who has on a century farm, and the father was about. And to you have retire. farm in your family. Yep, we have. A, we rented out to a, a family friend, and uh, they're 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 finding they're trying to find solutions. Uh, there, I know a lot of farmers out there are, are putting some of their land into rent to help. Uh, 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 with the costs and everything, but if we ended tariffs, uh, this is a, a narrative that I don't think gets t- talked about enough. If we ended tariffs tomorrow, which it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but if we did, farmers are still suffering because of the market consolidation. Uh, if uh, I'm th- if we're thinking about, or my campaigns, my, or myself thinking about endorsing a candidate for president, the one thing that is my litmus test is to make sure that we have strong antitrust in our, in our uh, uh, agriculture fields. Because right now, whether it's the inputs that are squeezing the farmers or on the, on the other side too, there's not enough markets.
1: Have you met with everybody or talked with everybody in your field yet?
3: Uh, in the Democratic side? Yeah, mm-hmm. for the most part. Well, we've got two new ones. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I know that and by, the, by the
1: time we get done talking, somebody else will probably probably join the race. But are you, are you seeing any difference in the conversation with these folks right now than maybe when you ran the first time in the sense? Are they looking more outside Des Moines, Iowa City, Cedar Rapids? Are they looking at that? Northwest Quadrant, the smaller communities, do they get that?
3: I would say that a lot of them have really put forth an effort of going out to Western Iowa, which I'm extremely appreciative, Um, and and that's the biggest thing that I'm trying to do is pull them away, pull them and also talk about rural Issues And and that's, I I feel there's such a huge opportunity because when I go out there and, and, I mean, we modeled our campaign after my two political heroes, Berkeley Bedell and Tom Harkin, and and just getting out there to the people, proving you're trustworthy and proving that you're going to fight for your constituents, you're going to earn votes, and that's what I'm telling these presidential candidates is
1: don't forget rural, don't forget western Iowa. Because uh, there's a lot of votes to be had. You started looking at the polls, and early, we're three months out, but it's a race between Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Pete Buttigieg, and everybody else is far behind now. Of course, if we know our caucus history, there's plenty of time for people <laughs> to collapse and others to surge here. Yeah. What kind of pressure are you under from these campaigns to endorse? I
3: mean, they've reached out, but at the end of the day, I've told them all the same thing. In 2019, I'm focused on our campaign, getting that off the ground, and then we can talk in, in 2020. But again, uh, I'm not a big fan of litmus tests. but I'm, I have to say that it, if not, if they're not for uh, enforcing our antitrust laws in agriculture, I, I'm not uh, going to be endorsing them.
1: So you're, there's a chance you'll endorse early yeah. in 2020, but you still have to weigh it?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm... I I want to be a participant as much as everybody else. I I personally
1: love the caucuses. And you're going to caucus? Uh, Yeah. So you'll get outed then at that point, right? The way the Democrats (laughs) do it. We'll all find out who you like. Yeah. I
3: I mean, if folks want to come to, uh, well, I I still call it Hayworth, but now it's East Middle (laughs) and Sioux City, uh, they're more than welcome to see what I'm going to do. (laughs)
1: Uh, I know you're not going to show your cards, but what's your short list? How many people are on it?
3: Uh, There's there's three people. All right.
1: (laughs) All right. I have six questions for you next when we come back. Quick six time. Sounds good. Don't hang with us. All right, so in light of that, up next, Iowa's diversity, making the really rich pay up and counting your Z's. J.D. Schulte, back with the Insiders. Quick six, straight ahead. Time for the insiders. Quick six. Early in the show, we talked about Julian Castro doesn't think Iowa's diverse enough to go first in this presidential process. Is he right? Uh,
3: I think we need to start looking outside the box a little bit in the fourth district. That means reaching out to the Latinx community a little bit more. And so uh, on some level, I think there might be.
1: But we should still go first or not? I I think so. I'm, I'm biased. All right. Question two. Is it time to have a wealth tax?
3: I, I think we need to hold a lot of people accountable, a, a lot of the wealthy folks, and when we're not, the rest of the nation's not coming up behind. So I, I think it's something to be considered.
1: Uh, question three Should there be some kind of federal ban on these flavored e cigarettes that the <laughs> Trump administration's looking at?
3: Yeah, I, I think the CDC, uh, we should uh, f- put research into that and, and see uh, what they decide. I I'm personally, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, so <laughs> I'm not the, the pre- person to be answering that.
1: <laughs> and you're healthy though. Uh, question for this study that just came out from Iowa State. Essentially we need seven to eight hours of sleep every night. What yeah. is your optimum level of sleep per night? Ooh, uh,
3: being an athlete and, and physically uh, pushing my body, I, I'm a sleeper and uh, took a lot of naps in my minor league baseball days. So uh, anything eight plus and, and then uh, nap when you can.
1: All right. Speaking of baseball, question five. If you could face one major leaguer for one at bat. Oh man!
3: Hey, I'm the hitter or pitcher? You're the pitcher. Okay.
1: Any batter that you'd love to face to see if I could get him? Oh. Would it be?
3: I mean, you got to go for the best. So, Mike Trout. It'd
1: be a fun matchup. All right. What's your prediction?
3: Uh, I got two. Uh, Iowa Iowa State both have big home games. Uh, I predict Cyclones uh, over uh, the Horns and then Hawkeyes are going to beat the Rodents from up north.
1: All right we're talking before they play so we'll know how you fared. <laughs> Appreciate the time. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Let's stay connected throughout the week. We'll see you next week for the Insiders.